You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. <clears throat> podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. Yeah, that's right, folks. The show is called Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall. And joining me today, a man that is wearing his new hat, his darkness. So, new season, new hat, yellow hat. Have you seen Andy's hat? Andy's hat in the preseason is a banger. Is it the red with the, the yellow, yellow bill? circle? Uh, yeah, it's got the yellow bill. Okay. Ooh, it's sharp. I love a yellow bill. A I love slimmer. a yellow bill. A little slimmer, too. Mm. I, is the word svelte, is that is that the word? When you're kind of like looking trim and ripe, ready I, to go? I, I would like the svelte Andy, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, listen, folks, if you're looking for a way to make a big impact in Kansas City, the Boys and Girls Clubs uh, are sponsored this year. The Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, they need sponsors for their sports teams and leagues. So help local kids while promoting your business throughout the metro. Email giving at helpkckids.org for more information. That's giving at helpkckids.org. Yeah, good stuff, Ryan. Your company can hit it out of the park with a sports league sponsorship with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Reach thousands of local families while giving kids the opportunity to get in the game. Contact giving at helpkckids.org for more information. Uh, Dirk, everybody is back this week for more information from you. Uh, Last week, we covered the first of your five questions for the Kansas City Chiefs 2023 season. I've just been sitting here waiting to give the next five questions for like an entire week. Entire week just sitting in the same chair waiting. So I uh, think I'd be sure are. that that's how a lot of the the listeners have been feeling. Yeah. Well, we've been waiting since February, you dicks. Sorry. <laughs> <Like, laughs> didn't even talk about the you know world championship offense, the you know, greatest player in the league and and greatest human being at coach that's ever lived. Um, so yeah, it might be fun to kind of talk about, you know, the good side instead of just 10 questions on Chris Jones. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, so last week we were asking, or you were really posing the questions, Dirk, um, you know, what can the chiefs learn from 2020 to help them in 2023? And that was hijacked by Chris Jones. Um, and then is the new Chris Jones, the forever Chris Jones, that question was already previously hijacked by Chris Jones, one too many Chris Joneses. Uh, we asked about the pass rush. We started thinking about the corners. Largely, it was defensive. 
So this week, I would imagine everybody is ready, ready to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Don't you just love him? Let's let's talk about the Patrick Mahomes holdout. Do you think he's going to play week one? Uh, well, you know, if uh, if I'm to believe the topics of conversation among our friends over at the laboratory, Shane Bichel might be pushing for those Blake Bell QB2 snaps, at least find a way to get this guy on the field because he's a gamer. He is a gamer. And honestly, I'm not even be I, I sound facetious, but like I think Shane Bichel super fun. Um, Especially Bell Bichel, a young man's strange erotic journey from SMU to QB2. Ooh, okay. That's a side of reference. You won't get it, but somebody will. You're right, I don't. You're right. You're, I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all right. All right, let's dive into the questions. Question number six. These are the 10 questions for the season preview uh, for the 2023 Chiefs season. Uh, we did the first five last week. We are on number six this week, and he may be question number six, but he is number one in all of our hearts. How does Patrick Mahomes follow up the greatest quarterback season of all time? Um, really, that's not a, a good question because, you know, there's not much to talk about. It's, it's just going to be great again. Uh, but I really wanted to say that he had the greatest quarterback season of all time last year uh, from start to finish. Uh, MVP, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, uh, doing like those kind of numbers. It was a marvel to watch. He also did it with a bit of an ankle injury, which was kind of fun. He also had a documentary following him around that charted the entire season for us, uh, which was fun. Uh, so let me ask this. Is there anything left for Mahomes to accomplish in your eyes? Uh, he now has multiple NFL MVPs. He has multiple Super Bowls. He has multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Is it just about stacking them up now? Or, you know, what else would you like to see from Mahomes going forward? Like, what else can this man do? Or is it just about sitting back and enjoying what he brings us every Sunday? Um, honestly, I'm a little, I'm a little perplexed. I'm a little perturbed is darkness because... When you said, how does Patrick Mahomes follow up the greatest quarterback season of all time? Because you just wanted to say it. You don't have a you don't have a case to make there? Was it was it not? Was was 2018 not his best quarterback season of all time, sort of kind of? I mean, don't get me wrong. No, no. You gotta have there's there's only like so many quarterback seasons that had NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP in the same season. Um, and you know, it's, it's like five and like his season was clearly the best of those five. So it's when you, Did you know that together of his season last year, I think it has to be considered the individual greatest quarterback season of all time. Did you know that fewer people have thrown for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards in the same season as have won the NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP in the same season? Just asking, just asking the question. Don't give me ask, wrong. Ask Pat like, which season it was more successful. Ask Pat. <laughs> I mean, look, winning the Super Bowl certainly sways sways the argument, particularly for those of us who had to live through losing that game to Tom Brady after 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards to not get the chance at the Super Bowl. Um, I guess, I mean, if you ask, like, is there anything else to prove uh, I think that everybody has kind of been on the Mahomes is at like a like a just a Brady trajectory. He's pretty much the only guy that Mahomes is truly chasing. I think that that's maybe like some Terry Bradshaw erasure uh, with the championship numbers, or some Joe Montana erasure, or something. I don't I don't really know. 
But in any case, um, George Blanda erasure. Look, Mahomes. Mahomes is on the top of the world, man. He is last year the eldest quarterback to make the playoffs in the AFC. Um, he's basically the. I think he's now the only quarterback in the league that has two Super Bowl rings. He's technically like the elder statesman at that position. And so, like, is there anything left for him to accomplish? I don't know, but I can tell you that he's going to be carrying the torch for his position, which might have more talent now than ever before. All this huge collection of quarterback talent. It's super fun to see. And Mahomes is the best of all of them. Um it's really fun. And and honestly, we get so many more years of this because if Mahomes is the oldest and he's only, what, 27? I mean, let's say he plays until he's 35, all right? We're still talking about like eight or nine years with all of these young guys around him chasing him, especially all those guys in the AFC that we talked about last week. Um, I don't I don't know how to to answer your question as directly as, as possible. Just, it's going to wax poetic about Patrick for a while. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think of quarterback? Did you like quarterback? I haven't watched quarterback yet. Oh! My <laughs> I saw, I saw that somebody, I saw that somebody like made the Mahomes cut and oh. that's what I intend to watch. Oh. Uh, I think it's just sitting there on YouTube waiting for me to make the time for it. But yeah, man, I had a uh, I had a busy summer. Did you hear that I'm getting married? Did you hear that? No, I was too busy watching quarterback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did uh, oh, Gl- like did Glennon have three touchdowns at halftime? Do I need to tell my my future wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I like scented candles for it. You know, I showered, dressed up all nice, and then started episode one. That's that was my viewing experience. That was yeah. amazing. Great, sure great uh, supporting awesome. actress role from uh, Brittany Mahomes. I think she really turned a corner. People are just, you know, like, hey, maybe there's something beyond just an annoying voice here. And she's actually kind of kind of awesome. Like she's supporting her man from the very start, being together since middle school. It's kind of cool. I know I, I like Brittany for some reason. You know, people have been saying about that for me, but saying that, saying that about me for years. Look at me trying to self-deprecate and I can't even get it out of my mouth. <laughs> just an annoying voice over here. It's fitting. Things fitting. Uh, Jackson Mahomes not not really featured that much. Kind of not really featured. Not not <laughs> once actually. Not that once. was my pretending to be surprised faced. You're telling me that they didn't put Jackson Mahomes on camera. <laughs> uh, but it, it was cool to talk to just like non Chiefs fans that just like kind of and even like non football fans that are just like because I have friends out here that don't care about football at all and they're like they watch this like. Did you watch quarterback? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I watched quarterback. And like, did you like it? I was like, obvious, I liked it. I mean, did you like it? And they they were just like, man, I didn't realize like that what he was like, like fighting through that injury and just like his personality. Like, he's awesome. He's like a, a lot of fun to watch. And these are just like non football fans. So I think it kind of uh, accomplished its goal there and uh, reached a a casual audience. And and talking to like not like Billy Pesto, our guy Billy Pesto, he's like. I had a new appreciation for for Patrick Mahomes after after watching that. So uh, I think it was really cool. Uh, I don't think there's too much with Mahomes here we have to get into. I mean, obviously, he's geared up for another great season. And we should all just feel lucky to enjoy him. I, I kind of anointed him as the main man if you won that second Super Bowl. Uh, there's some critiques of quarterbacks who haven't won two Super Bowls. You know, they get some Rodgers digs. 
Um, some other guys that, you know, maybe didn't quite live up to their billing. If you went two Super Bowls, man, I mean, you're made. Even if even if you finish his career like that, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, he's one of the best. He's one of the greatest of all time. And nobody can take it away from him at all at this point. Um, and so all that's left for us to do is kind of sit back and enjoy the ride, uh, enjoy everything that brings us, get rid of all of that angst. Like, man, so many throughout yet last year, just like, what if he's Aaron Rodgers and wins one early in his career and then just doesn't win another? Uh, which I, a narrative that I just completely hated. Um, but that is now completely put to bed. Uh, and that's that's maybe my favorite thing that it's that's happening now as a as a result of that Super Bowl win. Yeah, I mean he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he never plays another down, and we hopefully, rightfully deserve in my estimation, another like ten years of this or more. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to retire. Yeah, he seems he's so competitive and so driven that like, and he sees what Brady did and sees that it's possible. Like, I just think it's going to be athletes play until they're older and older now, it seems like. Uh, and so I, I got to feel like he's going to be one of those guys, too. So uh, I would bet on more than that. I mean, I'm, we don't need to go down that route, but uh, I, I think he'll play till he's old. Let's just jump ahead to question seven here for the Chiefs 2023 season preview. And this can be a big one. When does Travis Kelsey finally hit a wall? And two-parter here, could KC actually survive without him? Um so first part here, a uh, wild stat to to drive this home. In 2022, players 31 and over with over 420 receiving yards. Totally picked that number at random. 420. Kelsey had 1,338. Adam Thielen had 716. And Marvin Jones had 529. That's it. That's the entire list. That's just receivers 31 and over. Uh, Travis Kelsey will be 34. Uh, he turns 34 during this season. Uh, some notables here. A bit of a deep dive. Um, oh, he's back. Uh, Gronk actually retired twice by age 32. Uh, Tony G actually put up <laughs> 930 yards and eight touchdowns at age 36. I know it's cool to bash on Tony G, but come on, that's that's pretty impressive. How about receivers 34 and over, which is how old Kelsey will be in this season, to put up 1,000 yards since 2010? Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, and Reggie Wayne. That's it. Now, if we want to do a little deeper, Jerry Rice put up 122, 1,848, and 15 touchdowns at age 33. And he had over 800 yards at age 31, 32, 33, 34, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, and 41. So if you ever want to wonder why Jerry Rice is considered great, that might be the reason. But all this is just to say that Travis Kelsey might eventually hit a wall. He is nearing that age. He hasn't really shown signs of it. Maybe gotten a step slower, but just a step craftier. Um, but do you think it's possible that we see a aging Travis Kelsey all this year? Well, look... <clears throat> You're asking if Kelsey's going to hit a wall. You had a little hit yourself there for the deep dive. I think we got to hit a break real quick, and then I will actually answer your question, I promise. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, 
Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm no Ken Swanson, but I I really leaned into the hits there. Really, really leaned into the hits there. You guys, Sorry, I, I missed the play call from the sideline from Tucker there to uh, to take a break. So sorry about that, Tucker. I was just I was just kind of freelancing out there. This felt good. He's on a roll. Um. All right. So you're asking, when does Kelsey finally hit a wall? Can Kansas City survive without him? Um. Look, I, the thing that I find really interesting about Kelsey is that. He was already uh, kind of late into the league because of some issues that he had in the translation between high school and college and getting kicked off the team and (laughs) things of that nature. Um, And then he also ends up really not playing any snaps as a rookie. So, I mean, let's see. Literally zero, wasn't it? That he hurt. Yeah, I mean, I want to say he got hurt in the preseason or at camp, something along those lines. But, like, I want Travis Kelsey reference. Um, I mean, he, I want to say that the first year that he accumulated stats, he was like 24. And so, you know, we talk about him at, at this age at 34. And I, your resident homer, want to tell you that he's a young 34. 34 is the new Jerry Rice 38. Okay. <laughs> Those Jerry Rice stats. Uh, actually, Travis Kelsey's first season in which he accumulated stats, he was 25. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about a guy that is really in some ways like a late bloomer, um, to, especially to be as accomplished as he is. I mean, the over 1,000-yard streak 
that is now at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight seasons over a thousand yards. It started when he was 27 years old. I mean, this dude is special. Uh, it's doesn't it's pretty weird. Blow your mind, though. Doesn't that stat blow your mind? The only three players over 31 and over put up over 420 yards. Like it's just veteran receivers. I I think it's just an odd year for it. But just like that was one of the craziest stats I saw all off season was just like the the death of the older receiver. It's just like it was it was wild. And I mean, even the two other ones, what Dylan Murphy, not even not even close to Travis Kelsey. What was that? Are you saying just last year or what's the time frame? Just it was just in 2022. Only three receivers, 31 and over, put up over 420 receiving yards. So it's just a young position at this point, other than maybe the greatest weapon in the NFL, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they're in a really interesting position at this point because they've been developing, for lack of a better word this guy in Noah Gray, and it seems like he's probably like, you know, as Buzz would say, growing on his ass. Uh, he's got to be like right there next to Travis every single minute of every single day, soaking up everything that he can, right? And just, you know, it's like Travis Kelsey was with Brad Cottom. Just, just <laughs> like that. Exactly. They were really, really joined at the hip. And I think then Brad Cottom donated his hip to Travis Kelsey. Uh, so that he could continue playing because only one of the two of them was gonna, it was only gonna work out for one. That was it. That's how he said that when he's old, he had a hip replacement early. I guess I look at it and I, I start to think like we're, we're starting to brace for the Travis Kelsey descent, um, and enter, you know, all day Noah Gray. And, you know, if you guys are willing to listen to me, Matt. The Bush man. I'm telling you, that that Bush man, listen, Dirk Bush. <laughs> the Bush what are you, what are you man. Talking about? <laughs> I read about I Bush. Think, listen, I think that he is also taking cues from Travis Kelsey because if my memory serves, and I am not going to fact check it, and I don't want anybody to fact check it, but in my brain, and this is the story I'm telling myself, Matt Bushman used to have a pretty big beard. He looks pretty clean cut right now. He did the training camp. Travis, trim down. But I have been imagining that Matt Bushman, with that big beard, is basically Sean McGrath 2.0. And he of Dirk wrote the guy like a haiku with some bongo drums and everything else. I mean, that is somebody that you loved. You should be all over the Bush Man, express. I'm. I. I am a Matt Bushman fan. I am. I think there's something there. I'd rather have him than anyone except Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray. Well, I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring this back down to reality and step off this Bushman. <laughs> where were we high on Bushman last year? Didn't want me a thing in the preseason, and he got hurt. And Travis hurt. Kelsey was like, "That's my boy right there." He did. He did the best thing he could possibly do, and that receiver did it this year too. Is you show some promise, and then you get hurt, so you can just be stashed on the team and collect a season's worth of checks. That that receiver, I mean, put some respect on Ramigio. I didn't know how to say it. Ramigio? Ramigio? This does have to be a thing every week. You don't know how to say it, as Craig cackles in the background. <laughs> For once, it's not me! <laughs> 
but it is it is wild that like this is going to be you know there's so there's so many moving parts at receiver if you want to say like there's not a clear-cut wide receiver one at all um and this is kind of a chance to talk about the receivers too but you know that works because you have travis kelsey uh and maybe this will kind of be seamless because you got guys like sky Moore and rasheed rice and they're going to kind of step up by the time that travis kelsey is kind of exiting stage left um, but this will be our, our reality in a very near future is that, you know, Travis Kelsey, eventually it's going to happen. Like it's, it's really hard to see the signs of it now because he's so damn good. Um, but it's just wild. And, and part of me is just wondering, like, you know, does, does the season ride on Travis Kelsey's health or, you know, Mahomes can overcome getting rid of a guy like Tyreek Hill, partly because he has a guy like Travis Kelsey if something were to happen to Kelsey, is this season totally ruined or is Mahomes good enough to like keep him afloat with this makeshift core of receivers that they have? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm fully expecting to me, you know, and this is maybe kind of pointing back to that. Like how does Mahomes follow up such a great season? Like I'm, I'm fully expecting a slight at minimum statistical step backward that would be my guess how dare you um i think that we we thought that the rebuilding year came last year and that it's actually this year um explain well so like you trade tyreek and it's like okay so we've got to kind of kind of reconfigure the roster and stuff here and if I believe memory serves it was also saying goodbye to tyron matthew and hello to justin reed what um you know, and so there's there's some things there, and you know they moved on from the likes of Ben Neiman, and I don't know if the timing is right, but Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Sorensen, like they they moved on. So, but I'm telling you, like, I mean the the like Juju Smith Schuster and Marcus Valdez Scantling, uh, Mark Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, it felt like you know you're kind of raising the floor with guys like that and now one of them is gone and the other one is kind of irrelevant in my mind no offense mark wes um i mean i i he he is what he is we tried to get him to do things that he didn't do in green bay and he had basically to me one good game of doing that kind of stuff and the rest of the year it was not being able to find the right timing or placement or whatever with Mahomes, he just there seemed like the deep ball just wasn't really connecting between the two of them. Um, and I, I think it was a pretty big game. I think it was a pretty big game there, buddy boy. Uh, okay, so um, well, he, he just carried us in that game. Like I think he kind of showed some things. I could I could see him having a bigger role this year. Maybe like they didn't, uh, maybe they weren't confident in using him like that, and until they had to. Uh, but I thought he really showed some things that I, I would. I would be happy with featuring him more. I will let you have him. He can be on your roster. He can be on your group of guys. I'm not really uh, not really thinking much about Marquez Valdez scaling. I mean, no offense to the man, but uh, I, I am offended. I think that we're looking at a statistical step backward on offense, but a promising continued evolution. I mean... If this is mostly a, as you mentioned, like kind of a Sky Moore and Rishi Rice point, but there is a lot of fun young talent on the field. Um, we're talking about Andy Reid potentially keeping more receivers 
than ever. Uh, if they actually do choose to keep seven guys, um, I I think that that as a Chiefs fan that takes himself pretty seriously on the Chiefs, uh, I don't know how to separate being a Chiefs fan and being a Justin Ross fan. They're synonymous. If you like the Chiefs, you are so excited about Justin Ross. I'm sorry. If you're not, then like I don't know. I don't know how you can fan without being excited about Justin Ross. And and the way that I look at it is like, man, Kadarius Tony. Uh, sure. I kind of, I kind of, not gonna lie, kind of forgot that Kadarius Tony was around. Rigatoni Kadarius. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, this is what this is what I want. I don't think it'll happen this year, but there is a chance where the three receiver set is Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, and Justin Ross, and maybe that's more like next year. But like, I see the youth there, and I see the potential there, and I see the talent there long term, and like, I think that it's totally fine to maybe take some lumps. Um. I mean, especially, let's just be honest, if all three of those guys actually reach their potential. <laughs> Good luck, anyone, anywhere, trying to stop Patrick Mahomes with those three guys um, hitting the peak. Yeah, but, on, I mean, on, that's... Rookie, on rookie contracts for, for the next few years. Right. Um, this kind of, let's just go ahead to the next question here because it kind of digs into it. Uh, it's kind of just a fun question. Who finishes the season as the Chiefs' next best fantasy player uh, behind Mahomes and Kelsey? Uh, just kind of a chance to talk about all the other guys. Uh, you kind of discussed this, but there, there's really seven receivers, and I think they have to keep all seven of them um, unless you're looking to get rid of Justin Ross or Richie James. I like Richie James. It's just almost hard to see a path for him to get on the field with like all this talent, especially if they're going to start featuring Rasheed Rice as a rookie, which it seems like they're going to, uh, at least more than Sky Moore than they, they did last year. Um, so it's just... It's wild how, you know, maybe they don't have that top guy um, or maybe they view Kadarius Tony as that guy uh, if he ever plays. And But they have all this depth and I feel like they have to keep all of them. And then there's even the guys uh, like Smith-Marset, I feel like, is is a decent little receiver. There's someone on t- Twitter that just loves him. Steven Ruiz, I think, or Nate, Nate Tyson. One of those guys just like loves that dude. I don't, I don't know why, but um, he's around and he looked good in the preseason. Uh, just a the depth at receiver and all these different pieces, it's it's kind of wild. Do you like any of them to really jump out this year and surpass what expectations, you know, is is currently on them? Because let me lead with my guy, I guess. I think Sky Moore is going to be that guy. Um, and I think, I almost think like they're like kind of hiding him in the preseason because he doesn't have many targets. Uh, maybe like one in the, in the preseason so far. Uh, but I really am expecting Sky Moore to take that leap. Uh, I mean, I was high on him last year. I just, I just think he's a good route runner. He gets in and out of cuts, and I think he can be the guy that kind of works uh, underneath and in that intermediate route uh, area. And and Mahomes could just be his guy. Um, so I, I gotta have my eye on Sky Moore to step up and be, you know, the next guy in that pack. Um, who who do you like among those that packs to really jump out this year? Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. College football fans, are you ready for week one? 
DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action, so here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 years or older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. All right, so thinking on like who who career-wise, what what am I kind of putting in my brain when as it relates to a guy like Sky Moore? Um, really disappointing rookie season to me. Um, I guess I just I thought that we would see him more often. I thought that he would probably accumulate some more stats, have a bigger role in the offense at some point. And really the only thing I think that he did, let's say, you know, at the end of the season, and hey, it's a big, important game because um, the team's good, but it's like he lined up on the wrong side of the field and caught a touchdown because there was not a player in that unbelievable camera angle that we've seen where like the entire side of the field is open. Um, Sky Moore did not hit the heights that I think we were all looking for as a rookie. And so going into season two, and certainly with the transition that they're looking at as far as the <clears throat> as far as the group of guys that are uh still here losing Juju and things like that. I mean, last year, Sky Moore, 33 targets, 22 receptions, 250 yards, no touchdowns, like not a whole lot. And then when you look at a guy that I'm going to compare him to here, it's only in the football department and only at the very beginning of the career. Let's not extend it out from there. Antonio Brown. It is Antonio Brown. Yes. I think I've maybe tried to make this comparison a little bit before, but Antonio Brown as a rookie, 19 targets, 16 catches, 167 yards, no touchdowns, really good kick returner, which Dave Tobe will tell you Sky Moore is a really good kick returner too. Yes. Uh, put him back real quick. Just a, just a sidebar. Um, Someone has to save Dave Tobe from himself. It's time oh. to let go of the kick return game. Man, you're literally hurting the team. We'll talk about EPA at some point, but 19 out of 25 kick returns last year lowered your EPA. The last return touchdown was in 2020, and then Rigatoni Kadarius gets hurt shagging a punt on day one at training camp before practice even started. I'm outraged about it. I'm positively incensed at Dave Tobe. You guys are probably some of, some of those lab friends of ours are like, yeah, thanks. We welcome to the party, Ryan. I'm alone. I'm alone on Tobe Island over here. Talb Island, Toe Island, Big Toe Island. Uh, I still love the man. Well, I seem to remember a big power turn in a Super Bowl that was kind of a big play. Um, much I Tal patron there. I got to figure out how to say it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, the reason I bring up Antonio Brown is that in year two, 
in that offense. Suddenly gets 124 targets after only being targeted 19 times the year before. A lot of it has to do with opportunity. And that's precisely what Sky Moore seems to be looking at. A really big opportunity. And if he suddenly gets 124 targets, I don't see any reason why he couldn't mirror Antonio Brown's season two in Pittsburgh, where he ends up with 69 grabs for 1,100 yards, scores a couple touchdowns, and like his career at that point is off and running. And I am not trying to say that he is going to be the type of receiver that Antonio Brown was, where he was literally, I think, unquestionably the best receiver in the league for like three straight years. Um, then he went crazy. Uh, but but as far as Sky he's, Moore is I think concerned, he's still going crazy. I think that's a, a, a current. A yes. Current <laughs> Actively going great. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's also the connection of the small directional Michigan school. You know, Sky Moore went to Western Michigan. Antonio Brown went to Central Michigan. You know, and ultimately... I can't tell you in terms of Antonio Brown's background um, if he has this similar to Sky, but we got to remember Sky Moore did not play wide receiver before he got to college. He'd only been playing it for three years, and then last year he gets dumped into Andy Reid's very difficult offense where every route has all these different options, and you got to learn all the different positions and everything that they say, all those narratives. Uh, all of that is to say that I have been expecting some pretty excellent stuff for Sky Moore this year. And it's just been like sitting there festering while everyone else is getting their takes off. Um, let me ask you Mine this. too. Mine too. Mine too. Well, uh, let me just say, let me just say, I look forward to Sky Moore's uh, when he owns an arena team in his, in his mid thirties. I'm very much looking forward to that. Okay. That's, well, there we go. Um, I want to ask you about kind of the, the young running mate for him. Uh, Rasheed Rice. Now, I is this this is probably really corny. It might be the dad jokingest dad joke of all time. Here, you're uh, up, buddy boys. Let's go. Are you expecting him to be Rice a homie or Rice a phony? <laughs> like, is this a guy that we're going to absolutely love? Or, I mean, look, I tell you what. Going into the draft, I was really curious about him because it seemed like he was one of those, what do we call him, an ex-receiver. He had the right body type and skill set that we were looking for. Um, yeah, and some, some Sammy Watkins comparisons. Yeah, well, Matt Harmon, uh, the guy that does reception perception and he does the fantasy show on Yahoo, he's, he's an excellent source of information. Um, when he was talking about Rasheed Rice leading up to the draft, he basically said, like, this guy runs two routes, and it's, you know, he's running the he's running the straight route and he's running the slant route. And Dude. that's pretty much what he's got. Dude, when when we saw him drafted and they were showing his highlights, and they were just like the the non-rowdiest routes you've ever seen. It's just like him jogging down the sideline and then, you know, making a great catch, which is great, but it's just like it wasn't really a route. And it was like six highlights like that where he's not really running a route or anything. It's just like, does this guy run routes or does he just, you know, win at the catch point? Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of questions about how and, you know, how much and how often he'd be able to create separation, um, which is honestly, I think one of the cool things that maybe people have forgotten about Sky Moore is him like coming out of college. They're talking about him as a prospect. One of the things that was so impressive for everybody was that 
This guy has so little experience playing receiver and look at his releases, the release package they kept talking about. This guy gets off the line and creates separation so early in the route. He's, he might be the best route runner in the class, right? And so that's, you have that's what, that's like what that. got going. That's what got going for me. That's what made a move. Well, and and now you've got a guy like Rasheed Rice that I think is a little bit more of what do we call him, like the power slot. Um, and he can certainly play on the outside. He led the FBS in receiving yards per game last year. He was the only show in town at SMU for a couple seasons and still produced big time. And oh, by the way, last year, as he led the FBS in yards per game, uh, Rasheed Rice... They're saying that that guy played on a broken foot last year. So this guy was less explosive than he can be. He ended up having, I believe, the greatest vertical, the highest, the best. What do we call it? The most explosive? He had the he had the best vertical at the combine among, among his position mates. I mean, like, this dude yeah, is in not messing around town. I am 6'2", right? Uh, I think he, yeah, he's kind of in that area. And But I mean, I mean the, those those are the highlights of him was going up and getting at the catch point, which is impressive for like a six two guy. You know, uh, he played at SMU. Does that mean he ran with Buchel at some point? They 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 got a little little thing. I mean, did you see did you see the little. stats crank up after Mahomes left the field? <laughs> it's like Rasheed Rice, boop 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 boop. Little inside information in the draft room from Buchel getting a little. You made me draft this guy, although his numbers seem to have gone up without Buchel last year. They're uh, well, I mean, I'm I. Couldn't tell you. Bichelle's been here for two years. Yes, so. got to grind some SMU film here. Well, yeah, but I mean, honestly, like, there's so many different things about these receivers, and maybe it's just because we consume, you know, a, a, a tremendous amount of Chiefs content. We're trying to learn as much as we possibly can. But like, I believe it was Kent when they drafted Rasheed Rice. He ended up putting the tweet out that said something to the effect of like. We heard about Zay Flowers. You know, we heard about Quentin Johnston. We saw pictures of these guys coming to workouts with Mahomes, and we didn't hear a word about Rasheed Rice. But it turns out he was there. You know, so when you say something like Mahomes, he worked out with the Chiefs, did all the same things that Zay Flowers and those guys did, but they didn't say anything about Rasheed Rice. And so, you know, you talked about how Maybe they're kind of hiding Sky Moore in the preseason. They were kind of hiding their intentions with Rasheed Rice in the draft. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, though, that I think is kind of an interesting part of this, um, and particularly if we're thinking in terms of the question that we've both completely avoided, which was um, the who is the who's going to finish third, the next best fantasy player outside of Mahomes and Kelsey. And I'm thinking about this in the passing game because maybe it's Pacheco. Um, well, last that, year was probably McKinnon, and that's what kind of got me thinking is because, you know, McKinnon's a year older, but he caught all these touchdowns, and that's, you know, what would have put him above everybody else. So it's, there's kind of like these touchdowns to go around. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, who is the guy that steps up and just, like, kind of, you know, seizes the moment here? Because it's, it's so – I think there's eight different choices for who can, you know, be the next best fantasy player on this team – um, mostly because those receivers are are everywhere. Pacheco, you know, not going to catch many passes probably, but it probably score a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I just think it could go really anywhere. Um, I think I just did a draft. I think Sky Moore was probably the next guy that was getting drafted uh, behind those two. Um, but that would be my assumption. And I mean, look, like 
And we've hardly nobody knows what to do with Rigatoni, right? Yeah, yeah, we've hardly mentioned him. And and he was, you know, if you look at this in like June, people are pumping up like Rigatoni is going to be, you know, the number one receiver on this team. And the only reason he's not right now is because the injury or whatever. But didn't they say like he might be ready for week one now, despite having that minor surgery? I mean, I thought that the the most recent time somebody talked about it was Mike Borgonzi when it was sounded like a step back, where it was like, you know, we don't really need to rush it. Like, we're just going to make sure that he's healthy and this and that and the other. And like, look, I mean, if Tony is ready when it counts, like, I, I'm not trying to necessarily start giving talent away, but like, if Kadarius Tony doesn't see the field until November... I don't think that that affects this offense. If Travis Kelsey misses time, right? But like Tony isn't even really a receiver. Like he doesn't run routes even more so than than Rasheed Rice. I mean, obviously a really fun player, but like he's icing on the cake at this point that it seems like the Chiefs are building, even though mere months ago he was considered, I think literally from Brett Beach's mouth, wide receiver one. Um but he has to just be handled with the the kidsiest of gloves possible at this point. Like, like almost kind of keep him on ice and like try to get this guy to January healthy because, I mean, you know another injury is coming, especially if he's coming back early from this one. Like, there's just almost no way this guy can play a full season. So handle him delicately all season long. I, f- I feel like if you would have put out a poll, uh, let's, let's say, you know, sometime this offseason, long before Tony got hurt. Dave Tobe's fault. Um, if you were to ask who was more likely to have a healthy season or like reach their actual peak uh, despite the injuries that they've gone through and and put it up as Tony versus Justin Ross, I, I have no idea where the results would have been, but I would be very curious to see where Chiefs fans are at right now drinking that Justin Ross Kool-Aid do they think that Justin Ross is more likely to have like a healthy rest of his career than Tony? Because, you know, you haven't had the like here today, gone tomorrow type of stuff the way that you have with Tony in the NFL. Justin Ross just made his debut in a preseason game, right? Like we don't necessarily have the track record to think, oh, well, Justin Ross definitely can't stay healthy. He's had some serious injuries, but like, I I, I don't know. Look, man, I here's... There's a couple things in this receiver room that I think are important to not forget. One of them is just fun, and it's that when the Chiefs were on the clock, the first opportunity, well, let's say the second, uh, no, wait, the third opportunity, they took McDuffie and then Karloftis and then Skymore. So the third opportunity that they had to draft Skymore, um, Got it. Nailed what, it. what'd they do? not draft Sky Moore. They, in fact, moved down two spots and saw none other than George Pickens go off the board. And I mean, if anybody's having a real glow up this summer, it's George Pickens. And those two guys, the Chiefs had their pick. And I mean, I was trying to push George Pickens in the first round for months. I absolutely loved him. And he went out and he did all these fun things in the league last year. And now everyone's really excited about him in fantasy. And he makes these crazy catches and he blocks. And he's just been the George Pickens that he was at Georgia in Pittsburgh so far. And the Chiefs literally chose to not draft him, risked losing him, and did lose him 
in favor of Sky Moore. And George Pickens had 700-something receiving yards last year, and I think that people are maybe expecting him to take another step forward. I would not be surprised, ladies and gentlemen, if Sky Moore had more receiving yards than George Pickens this season. Because I do, I I just, I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to be the receiver that leads the team and targets and receptions and yards. And it may not be giant numbers, but I do think that he is, for all intents and purposes, going to be the quote-unquote number one receiver in this offense. I know that a lot of people are starting to want to bring up when we talk about this crowded receiver room, there's been all this Justin Watson, uh, you know, everybody's not mentioning him. Everybody's uh, getting on Justin Watson. Look, I just have one thing to say, and then you can you can move away from Justin Watson. Totally fair. Um, if you have a problem with Justin Watson, then talk to Patrick Mahomes. He wouldn't be on the team if Patrick didn't want him here. Um, he clearly has a connection. We we heard him like, oh, he called Veach after they signed him. It was like, who is this dude? Um, so Patrick likes Justin Watson. That's why he's here. That's why they signed him to a two-year extension and gave him some guaranteed money. You got a problem with Justin Watson? Talk to Patrick Mahomes. I like it. I like it. All right. Can I ask you, is it even possible to have a, before we leave, is it possible to have a realistic take on Justin Ross? Am I the only one that's hyped up over here? Because I don't think you're really doing much in that department. No, I mean, I'm I'm just not a training camp hype kind of guy. I'm not. I'm not. I I mean, I guess he's he's looked good in the preseason games, so I'm down with that. But I do not have high expectations for him at all. I would take under 200 receiving yards on the season. And I don't want to shit on him. I'm not interested in shitting on him. It's just I I just don't get hyped over training camp guys. I'm just well, I don't necessarily know that he's going to like step on the field this year and suddenly have a thousand yards. But like, I look at him in terms of being an asset. Um, and I think he's going to pop at some point, probably more likely next year than this year, but there's just, they're hyping him up. They're hyping him up. I'm not a huge, uh, like college football week, week over week watcher. And so like, I heard people talk about Justin Ross. Oh, well, this guy was the best receiver on a, you know, did they win the national championship his freshman year? Freshman, Yeah. Yeah. And he, he had other really great receivers that have come out of that offense that he was better than them as a true freshman. And, oh, he's had kind of these tragic injuries, but now that he's finally healthy, you know, I mean, look, dude, this is somebody that after his freshman year, people are saying is like a top 10 draft pick. If he, oh, wait, did he, he did have some catastrophic injury as long as he avoids it, but then it happens and the chiefs get him as an undrafted free agent. Like the talent, is absolutely undeniable. It's just been a question about his health. And I feel like we now have proof of it at the NFL level, albeit in preseason. Don't put cold water on my Justin Ross. I'm not interested. You should be excited. It's just too crowded of a room. I don't see much of a path for him to even be active on game days. I think it's just going to be tough. Um, But you're right. I mean, he, he did... Go full Marquez Valdez Scantling in that national championship game. You are correct. That's where we are. To the strength of this podcast, offensive line talk. I know he can't wait for it. Are the new offense question nine for the season preview? Are the new offensive tackles better, worse, or a push? Um, so we have Jawan Taylor, Jawana pass block because he was dead last in run blacking by PFF last year, which is such a weird stat because we gave him. He is the sixth highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL and was dead last in run blocking from PFF. I know. Cue the PFF doesn't know shit. 
Uh, whatever, whatever. Yeah, get the comments out there. Let's go. Um, but still, that's got to be something. It'll be interesting to see that. Uh, Donovan Smith has really looked solid this preseason. People were concerned about him. Uh, he looks fantastic. I think he's always been a really good player up until last year and kind of had struggles. Um, I don't totally know why, but that was that's the tape on him. Um, and then, you know, we got rid of, you know, the perpetual contradiction that was Orlando Brown. Uh, we had him for, was it two full seasons? And honestly, we never really knew if he was good or not because every single stat that came out would even be like, oh, he's a top five tackle in the NFL. Oh, wait, no, he's allowing the most pressures in the NFL. It was just every single stat was confusing with him and never really got a read. Um, and then we lost Andrew Wiley, who's just an absolute stud. I loved Andrew Wiley. Um, and good luck to him. Uh, but how do you look at these tackles? Do you look at it? Because they look great so far in the preseason. Like Mahomes, there was there was a quote this week that like Mahomes, they asked him if he got that one hit that he wanted to get this preseason, and he said, no, I haven't even been touched, uh, which is kind of a you know backhanded compliment or maybe a forehand, forehanded compliment to the offensive line. I'm not sure. Um, but how do you look at these tackles? Is it an upgrade, a downgrade, or just a push? I mean, technically, he's on his third left tackle in four years. And I think that's even if you don't count some of the like weird spot starts due to injury. Um, I a lot of those, let me just say, a lot of those stats are weird because Mahomes is probably a tough guy to block for. I mean, we were talking a lot last year about his depth of drop back. Uh, I saw Schwartz just tweeting about it nonstop. But he's also, you know, holding onto the ball a long time and bringing on those pressures. And I'm not sure how they count those pressures as. You know, when time, you know, it could be six seconds long and then they get a pressure on him. Does that count as a pressure on Orlando Brown? Who the fuck knows? Uh, but so it's I think he's kind of a hard QB to block for, but he also handles those pressures extremely well. And that's when he makes a lot of his plays is when he has that pressure. So he's not afraid to get pressured and he handles it really well. So that's that's part of why those stats are so weird. Go on. Something that I find really interesting about this offensive line is it feels like a like a nearly total flip flop in like where the strength of the line is from just a few years ago. Absolute no man's land in between Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz for for too many seasons, folks. Um, you know, and then you, you end up with a guy like Orlando Brown. As you mentioned, I wanted to call him the Alex Smith of offensive tackles because we just never really knew if he's good. But I don't yeah, think, I think I don't, we knew he was exactly, exactly middle. And at least at least one of the two people in this comparison is an athlete. So um, I guess I look at it now. And you've got this total switch from the strength of your offensive line is your tackles. Um, and then you'd have the center. Right. I mean, the Chiefs have literally gone from Rodney Hudson, who when they let leave, signed the richest center contract in NFL history to Mitch Morse, who, when he left, signed the richest center contract in NFL history to Creed Humphrey, who is basically a unanimous all pro player at this point. Um, they, they got something figured out there. Yeah. Oh shit. Who's in charge uh, of their centers? Andy, basically yeah. both, both Andy's right. Um, uh, I guess I just, People are starting to call this. I've I've heard it. I've heard it. That this is the best offensive line of the Mahomes era and might be the best offensive line of the Andy Reid era. Um, I don't know how big of a statement that is, but I think it's certainly anchored by the interior. 
And it's such a weird conundrum for me because they still have no clue how to pick up a third and short, <laughs> despite having the best interior offensive line in the league. It's mostly because they're more pass blockers than get low and and being used to some of that stuff. But, you, you know, we're, we're on this program now. We're on this company. They have some actual NFL players. I, I'm dying to ask one of them this question. How can the interior line be so damn good and we cannot pick up a yard without without these tricks and ladders do, doing whatever and and make it make sense? Like somebody explain to this to me why we cannot pick up one yard. I have been all offseason telling myself that like this is a running back problem and not a, an offensive line problem uh, because let's be clear, the Clyde ride has been hilarious, um, just comical getting stuffed as a rookie in the red zone a few times and never seemingly being utilized the right way. And yet all <laughs> we've just had this another, it's like an Alex Smith debate. Is Clyde good or not? Are we using him the right way? We still don't know if the guy's good. I think he's bad. No, no, we know but, he's not good. But I have been, <laughs> I'm telling you, I wanted, I, I waited and waited and waited. And then the friggin' jerk went and signed with the Patriots. I, have wanted the Chiefs to sign Zeke this full offseason for all the reasons that everyone says he he signed anywhere. Why he's still valuable? Well, he pass blocks as good as anybody. He has 22 touchdowns over the last two seasons. He could get you three anytime. Five? That might be tough. But you know what? Third and ones? They would just be an unstoppable machine. Bring Zeke on the field, and it doesn't matter if you hand him the ball or if you decide to throw you are in money situations at short yardage. You would have completely eliminated the problem. But Chris Jones didn't want to sign a contract, so we ain't got nobody to pick Zeke. I, I don't I don't know if he's that great a pass blocker, and also he doesn't fit the Chiefs mold as a great center. I mean, did you see his last snap with the Cowboys? <laughs> it's just him getting mowed over. I mean, where was his pass blocking on that one? Can I I know that I'm, I'm like veering into a running back conversation when you asked me about these tackles. I the tackles seem fine. I don't know anything about an offensive line, though. Uh, I'm excited, I suppose. I think that Donovan Smith is a guy that has proven to be a very capable starting left tackle for many years. And as long as he is healthy, you are going to get, at worst, like Eric Fisher-esque, if not maybe a little bit better play than that. And that is perfectly wonderful, especially if you have arguably the best pass-blocking right tackle in the league in Juwan Taylor. And a guy that's so athletic, that people just can't stop raving about how quickly he gets on the snap and all these different things. Oh, he's such an effortless mover. They're in good shape on the offensive line. He could be Travis Kelsey's replacement. If you want to convert him, do the, uh, is that, is that the Jason Dunn basically doing the Jason Dunn? You've played tackle, but now we're going to make you a tight. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to mention because I, you know, Zeke ended up signing, um, there was also this weird, like, flurry of Chiefs running backs signing all these former Chiefs yeah. oh, um, like two days in the last couple weeks, and and I just I just you know it, for it for is. the record, in case you guys forgot, the only like recent notable former Chief running back that doesn't have a job is Kareem Hunt. Um, I am in no way, shape, or form will not ever advocate for signing him. I don't want him on the team. I'm not interested in that, if for no other reason to avoid all the people that were like, I told you, and then whatever, I don't care. I don't want any of it. I'll take but it. I do think it's funny that Damian Williams and Daryl Williams and 
Darwin Thompson and all these guys that keep getting signed. Oh, yeah. Donnell Bennett went to the Packers. Did you see that one? That's it. I did. Okay. All right. Let's wrap up the line talk. I don't think, I think it might be the best offensive line uh, of the Mahomes era. It's definitely not the best tackles of the Mahomes era. That's very insulting to Mitch Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Uh, but once you include the interior, I could see that argument for sure. Uh, but I am confident, and I think it's an upgrade from last year. I think it is an upgrade from last year. I think Let's they have the potential to be great, for sure. Tenth and final question. What effect, if any, will be felt from losing offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who had a great night the other night? Was that our, uh, last week uh, in that game that everybody watched? Um, but... Uh, Bianca is kind of a hard nose, you know, get after you, tough love, motivator type, the Yang to Andy's Ying. Do they have that now? And do they need it? Who gets after the team when they aren't bringing it? Andy's more of the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed kind of guy. He'll give you a look. But who's going to chew that ass? You know, it's interesting because <clears throat> last week, a full week ago, um, when you first started to sit in this chair, you know, we had the conversation about like whether or not the Chiefs can maintain the edge that they need to be hunted by all of these great teams in the AFC and really across the NFL and actually repeat as Super Bowl champions. Do they have the edge that they need to be able to do that? And I mean, I mentioned like, hey, well, you don't have Frank Clark anymore. And now you look at a guy in terms of the coaching I don't know if there's another coach on the team with the same style as B enemy. I don't know if they have another yeller. Um, yeah, they do. You know, I, and maybe they do, but like when you ask that question, the first person that popped in my head, like who is going to chew their ass when things aren't going right. I just thought it was Patrick. And I don't know if it's necessarily that he's going to be, talking to them the same way that the enemy did. But you have to imagine that like guys like he and Kelsey who have played for Eric B enemy for year after year, after year, after year, that at this point it's the standard. I mean, this, 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 this is the thing. If you go back and listen to the conversation that the enemy was having with reporters in Washington, like what a week ago, because some players were complaining, oh my gosh, whatever, the, his coaching style. And so Bienemy has to start answering questions about this. And he says, look, uh, you know, I'm used to essentially, he said essentially in Kansas City, like they knew that it wasn't personal. What's personal is the standard that I hold them to. I want you to be great. I want you to be perfect every single day. I'm going to try to push you to be 1% better every single day. It's the standard that I hold you to. That is what's personal because if I don't hold you accountable when you're not putting the work in, then I will lose my job. And I don't know whose job it now is, but I do think that that in some ways that the enemy has been instilled in those guys. And even if he's not here, I don't think that it's suddenly just like some huge breath of fresh air, this relief. Oh, we don't have the hard ass here anymore. Someone is going to have to step into that role. You can't just have a bunch of good guys on the staff. I don't think it works that way. And, and I don't know if there is a staff member that's going to push them like that, but I do think that Andy has the ability to be pretty stern. He's done it even, even showing a little bit in his old age. I mean, it's not like he, uh, he went that hard, but you remember when Justin Reed said something about the Bengals 
And they asked Andy about it. And he's like, yeah, we had a talk. It's not going to be a problem again. Like he even acknowledged that it was something was a problem in the first place. Right. Like Andy, Andy might be getting a little cranky as he's, as he's getting up there. And, and, and if Andy knows anything, he certainly has the pulse of this team to be able to say, you know what, with Eric not here, I might have to bad guy every once in a while. Yeah, that's just kind of the like Andy could let he could delegate to Bienemy to do that. Like I don't have to get after these guys necessarily because I know Bienemy is gonna. And yeah. so it's just kind of an interesting dichotomy of is it Andy that kind of steps up and does that? Is it does it fall to the players, Mahomes, like you said, or even Kelsey, because he's just got stature over everybody else on that offense and on that team. And clearly during during training camp, I mean he's getting all these scuffles with with players. Like clearly he's setting some sort of standard out there. Uh, so the first guy that popped into my mind was Travis Kelsey. Um, and yeah, I don't, I can go through the staff of, of the chiefs, but I don't know shit about any of them. Um, so I, I can't really tell you who might step into that role, but it is kind of interesting that losing that type of voice in the locker room that's been there since the, I mean, since the beginning, was he, did he come in with Andy in 2013 or was it, was it after that? I mean, he's only been off the coordinator for the last uh, four or five years, but I think before that he's running backs coach. So I feel like he's just always been here uh, with that voice over this team. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see if that kind of affects this team at all. And it really kind of ties into that, like you said, that first question of does this team keep the edge after, you know, succeeding in every way possible last year and winning the Super Bowl, hanging that banner? Can they keep that drive? Can they keep that edge? And can they do it without that voice of the enemy being the one to be like, you have to keep that edge. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch throughout the season. Well, and something to keep in mind too, um, you know, we haven't we haven't touched much, I guess, specifically on a guy like Pacheco, who maybe regardless of whoever is coaching him is going to just play the way that he does. But you think about that running backs coach position, and when Bienemy first moved out of it, they brought in uh, Dylan McCullough, who's like. He developed a bunch of different great players in college. And then ultimately, I mean, he just really seemed like a professional running backs coach, truly knew his position. And recently, they've had a guy that played wide receiver for Andy coaching the running backs on this team. Um, You know, you have a guy in Greg Lewis that doesn't necessarily know that position, maybe doesn't necessarily understand the scheming of the run game, and they're doing it as like an understudy to be enemy. And so like now, I don't know if they have like a true running backs guru on this staff. Um, and I gotta be honest, man, I'm a little worried about that position this year. Uh, I mean, I, I love McKinnon as long as we have him. Uh, I don't know if Pacheco is good or not. And I really don't know anything beyond that. Um, and, and ultimately, with all these receivers, it may not matter that much. And with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, it may not matter that much. But I think if maybe there's a place that it's felt, you have to imagine a guy like Bienemy, even as the offensive coordinator, is constantly looking at those running backs and and talking with that staff and trying to poke and prod that position, his pride and joy, what he played himself. And if the only guy that we have that's really got that running back experience on the coaching staff is Greg Lewis, like, I don't know. So Greg Lewis was on the coaching staff. I'm looking at a list of the coaches now. Their running backs coach is Todd Pinkston, 
which oh. is another former Andy Reid receiver. I don't know. You know Greg what? Did Greg did Greg Lewis maybe end up in Jacksonville? I also know that yeah. the the like putting his hands on a player on the sideline thing was like really big in that one game. Didn't we get fined or something? I think he like tried to sit touching him for going after Greg Lewis, didn't they? I thought he got uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't know. We're off the rails. But anyways, okay. Todd Pinkston is the Chiefs running back coach, which is which is an odd choice. Uh, another receiver, former wide receiver. Come yeah. Uh, Todd right. Pinkston looks like he's built like a running back now that oh, he's shit. been retired for a little while. Oh, shit. Um, that was that was a great observation by you the other day when you're talking about like why is it that all the skill players get big and all of the trench players get small? Yeah, particularly offensive linemen. I think it's because they have to spend like 10 years just eating nonstop. And they're just like, I'm tired of eating. I want to not eat. And then they instantly drop 50 pounds. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're having to like cram all those calories in to even just like maintain that super high weight. Yeah. That'd be wild. Uh, all right. Listen, folks, this has been amateur hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. And Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. Um, I love Bill Rivers. I don't, I don't know. Why you keep calling Justin Herbert? <laughs> I don't know, because I, I love to dig at the Chargers. Did you the only the, real competition the, the AFC was. The one story last year that if the 49ers would have made the Super Bowl, they would have brought on Philip Rivers to play in that game. That, I know you were Oh, my God. That would have lit the world on fire. That would have been so fantastic, playing Philip Rivers, fresh off not playing all season, and just throw it into a Super Bowl. Oh, my God. What a moment. Mm, would have been great. Uh, great to be here, folks. Very, very, very happy to be a part of the Kansas City Sports Network. We will see you after the Lions game. After that home opener, when Ben Johnson and the boys come in town, and uh, who knows, we'll see if Chris Jones is there. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.